Mind Podcast. I'm Adam Jacquez, joined as always by Tyler Burton. The spring game is done. OU's never going to lose another game ever again. We're going to talk about that, of course. We're going to talk about Diamond Sports, one of the first times that we'll be recording on a Tuesday night, and neither softball, softball or baseball will be playing. Unfortunately, a lot of rain here in the area that got that those games rained out. Uh, but before we jump in, Tyler, how are you doing? As always, man, doing good. Good to be here with you guys. Um, coming off of a really good spring game. Um, obviously, Adam, you were in attendance, had a chance to check it out. I, being up here in Colorado, had to catch the replay of it, but uh, you did a tremendous job, a lot of good insights, uh, some stuff that was going on during the game. I think some really neat things that we're going to be able to talk about tonight, uh, some things being able to project looking forward, some things that were excited about maybe a few things that you know surprised us maybe but also a few things maybe that we kind of you know after watching that game we're like okay well we'll see we'll see what it's going to look like a little bit going forward from here but yeah other than that man everything's good um so yeah let's just kind of dive into it man let's talk OU football yeah I was in attendance it was probably the second coldest spring game game I've ever been to I think 2018 when you and I were shivering on the concourse Mm -hmm. trying to sell tickets at at a table uh, and no one was walking up to us because nobody wanted to move out of their seats because it was so freaking cold. Yeah, imagine so cold. that. Yeah, it was so cold uh, this Saturday. Uh, There's just a, a strong north wind. Uh, Tyler, you may not realize this yet, but in, in colder weather, your fingers shrink a little bit. And when you're mm-hmm. wearing a wedding ring, like like I'm starting to get used to now, almost a year in, uh, I was brushing something off my leg and my ring is just loose enough. It flew off. And I had to <laughs> I had to bump the people in front of me, asking them, hey, did you see a ring that just flew there? Oh, uh, shit. Fortunately, got it back. Yeah, but that's how cold it was. It was it was windy. Um, it was not the best weather conditions for the spring mm. game. But we did get our first look at Team 129. A lot of new faces, a lot of new freshmen on the team, some transfers coming in, some guys that we're looking to see. Can they make a, a leap to another level? So we're going to walk through this. We'll start with offense here. Um, we're going to walk through the, the guys that impressed us, the guys that disappointed us, uh, and the guys that surprised us. And we'll kind of do it in that order so that way we can sandwich the bad mm-hmm. stuff around some good stuff. Let's start offensively, Tyler. Which guys were impressing you the most on Saturday? Yeah, I think for this one, Adam, you, you got to start with the with the uh, running back position. Uh, DeMarco Murray's group, you know, especially led by Gavin Sawchuk, who, again, you tweeted it out during the game. Watching this kid play, the way that he moves, the way that he carries the football, the way that he just, you know, moves out in space, it's it's essentially Rodney Anderson 2.0. That's what I feel like I'm watching every time. Maybe it's the hair coming out the back of the helmet. He looks uh, just like 20, him. Looks just like him. Moves like him. You know, I, I think that, you know, sky's the limit for this kid as he continues to grow and mature. I'm very, very excited what he's going to look like this upcoming fall. But then you start to go down, you know, the, a list a little bit. You know, obviously we didn't see Javante Barnes. Marcus Major didn't participate in the spring game. So it really gave us an opportunity to see a little bit more of Tawi Walker, uh, who I think is it's going to be maybe a little bit difficult for him to, you know, uh, get a few carries maybe he could be you know like a third one you know fourth and two maybe a goal line type uh scenario situation where you see Tawi walker getting a couple of snaps but uh i thought he looked really well i thought that you know caleb hicks who even though he spent a you know huge majority majority of his day running behind the second string offensive line group uh i still like some of the things i saw from caleb hicks and then obviously uh, everybody that was at the game or watched it, you know, they know Dalen Smothers, especially that run that he had, you know, on the final, uh, you know, possession of the game. I think that you, you look at the way this kid moves, uh, the vision, the acceleration, you know, how elusive he is out in space. I really liked what I saw from the uh, running back position. DeMarco Murray has done a fantastic job 
building the talent level top to bottom in that group. And I can't wait to watch this team, especially the running backs, uh, perform once we kick this thing off on September 2nd. It's interesting that you went with the running back room because I, I feel like there was maybe two explosive plays. There was the the swing pass to Saw Chuck and then that Dalen Smothers run uh, in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. I kind of said it's a wash. Like the offensive line was so bad. Like I really can't take much away from the running back room. And we saw so many guys that I don't think are going to necessarily play. We've kind of said the same thing about Tawi Walker after last year or last spring. And he really didn't do anything meaningful uh, throughout the season, even despite, you know, having some injuries in that particular room. So I'm not holding my breath on him necessarily, but I I do think Dalen Smothers is a guy that that looked really good. I actually went with the receivers uh, and I didn't, I kind of did this unintentionally. I just realized that, Hey, I put three different receivers and the guys that impressed me. Um, DJ Graham. I know he's a guy that people think might be on, you know, transfer watch. Um, But you know, he got his two passes. I know he didn't do it against the best competition. He did against a walk on. And then he did it against the freshman Josiah Wagner, who, you know, credits him. He was in the right spot. He just needs to have a little bit more uh, intuition as far as when to turn his head and, and, and find that ball, because I think he could have picked that one off pretty easily if mm-hmm. he was just looking for it. But, you know, DJ Graham, he did he did what he could with the two opportunities that he had. I don't know if he's going to make a meaningful impact because it's so hard to transition to a new role. But I was like, hey, he took the opportunities he had, did something with them. Uh, I think Andrew Anthony, I think he's another guy that looked pretty good. We didn't see him catch a ton of passes. I think he probably could have had a long touchdown on that one pass interference he got held on that final drive. But he's a guy, just watching him in warm-ups and, uh, you know, a couple plays that he did have, I think, okay, he's a guy that I think can do a little bit more than what I was expecting. I was kind of thinking, okay, he's just going to be a deep threat. But I think he can do a little bit more intermediate and over-the-middle type stuff. So I think that's pretty encouraging. And Gavin Freeman – He's getting, uh, you know, a lot more looks. He seems to be a little bit more involved there. I think the coaches are really excited for him. And I think he can probably maybe take some timeshare away from Drake Stoops, especially on those jet sweep plays because his speed, and we, I think he ended up getting it for a loss mm-hmm. either way, but his speed around that corner could be pretty elite uh, in certain situations. So, you know, that could be a certain, a, a big weapon there. So that's kind of what I had uh, that impressed me on the offensive side. Do you have anyone else before we move over to what disappointed? Well, the, the wide receivers, it was kind of a mixed bag of emotions for me. Obviously there were a couple of people like you highlighted, you know, DJ Graham made some really good plays, you know, during his, at uh, the time that he saw the field, Gavin Freeman, everybody's going to remember because the highlights, you know, gone viral, the touchdown pass that he got from Jackson Arnold, just a in- incredible pass. Uh, great route uh, ran by Gavin Freeman, you know, completing that catch, coming down with the football and, you know, ultimately getting six. Uh, I thought that those two played extremely well. Would have liked to have seen a little bit more from, you know, Andrell Anthony. Uh, but, again, it's a glorified scrimmage. It's a bona fide practice. Again, and, you know, Adam, I think that you could even make the argument that Andrell Anthony's best performance all game long was during the final, you know, couple minutes in that game with Jackson Arnold, that quarterback. We'll get into that here in a second. But, Again, as good as some of those things were, I still kind of walked out of the – or not walked out of the stadium, uh, but I still kind of came away from that uh, spring game pretty much the same expectations and thoughts I had going into it where I feel like I was going to be – I was going to be wanting more. There was going to be more questions than we had answers, and I still feel like that rings true today. Um, obviously, Jaden Gibson, that's probably the most disappointing thing for me. Again, it's one practice, but again, a situation where – you're in front of 55,000 people. That's the most game-like scenario you're ever going to find yourself in up until, you know, kickoff on September 2nd. Three drops. 
When you're in a competition, when you're trying to prove to the coaching staff that, hey, you can trust me to be out there, you know, you can trust me to go out there and make competitive catches. You can trust me to go out there and make plays in crunch time scenarios. Jane Gibson didn't do him any favors. So Emma Jones has got his work cut out for him, uh, especially kind of feels like maybe that's a uh, maybe that's a problem, you know, kind of in between the ears. Uh, that's a mental thing uh, right now that Jane's going to have to overcome because the kid obviously has the talent and he's got the elite physical attributes that you would want in a top tier wide receiver. But um, Jula Farouk, uh, you know, he one play that he made all day was a touchdown kind of on a broken, you know, coverage maybe. Um, we know what we've got in Drake Stoops. DJ Graham played well. Gavin Freeman played well. He shined. But Adam, I still, I've talked about it for the last three months. I wa- I came away from this spring game feeling the exact same way. Jaquez Petaway, Keon Brown, and now Brennan Thompson, the transfer from down in Austin, all three of those guys are going to have a chance to come in and compete for compete for uh, snaps. I think that they're going to have an opportunity to come in and do that right away, especially, you know, Petaway and, you know, Brennan Thompson, two guys that, you know, have elite track type speed. So again, I think the wide receiver, do I want to see more? 1000% yes. But again, I think that the position group on offense that I'm the most concerned about right now, it's got to be the wide receivers. Yeah. And I'm just realizing now that on my disappointed list, I also had several receivers, LV Bunkley, Shelton, one reception for 13 yards. I don't recall that at all. Um, Don't remember seeing him on the field very much. Maybe he becomes a weapon in the punt return game and that's his role. Um, Jane Gibson, who we've talked about one reception, three yards, three drops, like, the guy just cannot get out of his own way with the drops, with the the penalties on the punt, uh, you know, coverage teams last mm-hmm. year, um, just not building up the best reputation among OU fans right now. And, you know, maybe he proves this all wrong. I hope he does and, and becomes a major piece, but it doesn't seem like that's turning in the right direction. And then how about from the tight end position, Austin Stogner, I think he had maybe one, two catches. He, and maybe this is just me needing to reevaluate my expectations for him because what he was in 2020 uh, up until that injury. And then I guess in 2021, he was kind of not really a major piece. And I know we were all excited to get him back and I'm hopeful that he can be a nice weapon in the red zone uh, for Dylan Gabriel. But I don't know. I, I wonder if at a certain point injuries have kind of slowed him down or maybe we've, we found out what he really is and he's not exactly the Mark Andrews or the Grant Calcaterra clone that we thought he might be just because he doesn't have that type of speed or agility or elusiveness uh, once he gets the ball in his hands. So maybe it's just realigning my expectations on him. And, and if that's the case, maybe we do need to go into the transfer portal. I know Varquez Gums was another, a name that a lot of OU fans wanted out of North Texas. He ended up at Arkansas. So maybe OU goes a different direction or maybe Joe John Finley feels really great about Caden Helms, a guy that we weren't able to see, but he certainly brings athleticism to the table, but something Cade that, McIntyre or, or Cade McIntyre. We'll see. I think that's going to be asking a lot for a true freshman to come in, especially uh, from fall and not being a part of spring practice. But yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't know if disappointed is the right, right term, but I, I probably need to realign my expectations for Stogner. You know, I think with Austin Stogner, Caden Helms, Jace Llewellyn, I think that from a receiving standpoint, Oklahoma is going to be just fine at the tight end position. But I think the one thing was very apparent to me, and maybe just it was just something that I was completely overlooking, you know, simply because of the fact. But with, with Walter Rouse and Tyler Guyton as your two, you know, uh, outside tackles, I kind of feel like Oklahoma is going to be in a very good position out on the edge. But we all know that when Jeff Levy likes to get into, you know, 12 personnel, once he likes to have, you know, uh, a tight end on the line of scrimmage with his hand in the dirt, you know, having a true presence blocking, 
I think that it is very obvious that Oklahoma's kind of in a position where they're going to take a step back from a blocking and a physicality standpoint. You don't have Jeremiah Hall. You don't have Braden Willis out there. You know, I don't think that, you know, B. Will got enough credit for what he did doing some of the dirty work, uh, you know, uh, on, on some of those plays. So, yeah. We'll we'll see what Austin Sonner can do if he can continue to develop and improve as a uh, as a blocker. But I definitely don't rule out, you know. I, I like kind of like what I saw from from Blake Smith, obviously making the uh, the one handed catch with the club on the hand uh, for six. That was a good uh, a good moment for him. But we'll see. Again, it's it's April twenty fifth right now. We've still got another five months of this. Five, you know, five more months uh, of development. You know, both strength, but also on the field as well. Uh, but yeah, tight end is definitely something for me, Adam. Um, Flipping it over to the defense. This is kind of where do you, I want, do you want to do most surprising. Did we do that? Go ahead. Go ahead. What do you got? Yeah, because I got I got a couple, and I know there's a little bit. I guess sometimes there's overlap between impressed and surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had. I, I guess we talked a little bit about Dalen Smothers. We haven't talked about the quarterbacks at all. And Jackson Arnold did surprise me. I thought his speed and his running ability looked better than what I expected. He had that one, you know, run that got called back. I guess I don't think he would have actually scored on that, but maybe 15, 20 yard gain. I think it would have been a pretty, pretty big play mm-hmm. regardless, but I thought his running ability looked pretty nice. Um, and then when we did see him with the starters in that last drive of the game, his play improved quite a bit. Um, so I, I think you got to be excited there. I think he's exactly what OU fans expect him to be in a sense. Some people are a little bit overhyped on him. You know, he's not going to start over Dylan Gabriel. You don't want that. Most five stars that come in, are not going to be, you know, Trevor Lawrence or Caleb Williams. That's the exception to the rule. In fact, if you go back, I, I did some research on five-star quarterbacks that uh, that started in their freshman year, and there's only one, only one. And I went back to like 2008 or so. There's only one that had more a better touchdown interception stat line than Dylan Gabriel did last year, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Now, Caleb Williams probably would have gotten there if he started the entire year. But those are the exceptions to the rule. Most other guys are not doing that. So, OU fans, we need, we need Dylan Gabriel to be good. We need him to, to be effective and be the starter if, if we want this team to be successful and to reach double-digit wins. But I did think he was what, impressive and I think gives you a lot of hope for the future still. What do you make of that, Adam? Because obviously I kind of feel like Oklahoma fans, their opinions, you know, their expectations are a little bit skewed in a way because we saw – a very similar situation happened a year ago where you had the five-star, you know, number one quarterback in the country in Caleb Williams come in. Obviously, Spencer Rattler struggles, you know, even though they are undefeated going into the Cotton Bowl. Spencer struggled, the boos came, and obviously Caleb Williams came in and, and replaced Spencer. So, again, I don't – I kind of feel like what happened la- or what happened two years ago is kind of a detriment because it's it kind of puts Dylan Gabriel in kind of a bad, unique position because Oklahoma fans are very familiar with what just happened. And obviously, you know, we the schedule is very favorable starting out next year. But if you find yourself in a situation where, you know, you start out 4-1 and one, or you go down to the Cotton Bowl and DG doesn't play very well, Oklahoma gets beat by Texas, then at what point – at what point do you reach to where Jackson Arnold starts to get a little bit more serious attention from Jeff Levy or Brent Venables? Because, again, don't get me wrong. At this point right now, Dylan Gabriel is by far and away your starting quarterback. There's no debate about that whatsoever. When Arkansas State rolls into town here in five months, Dylan Gabriel is your starting quarterback until, you know, until, you know, uh, otherwise. But what are kind of some of your takes? Because if you get on social media, you listen to Sports Talk Radio, some of the other podcasts, there's a lot of people already saying Jackson Arnold's the guy. It's just a matter of time. It blows my mind because the guy went six of 14 in the spring game. And I know he didn't have the starters around him until that very last drive, but 
Um, he's, he's got a long way to go still. He's got the arm talent. He's got the athleticism and the speed. Um, but he's still learning the game. He's still getting up to the, the level of speed of college football. And if you want to look back at history and say, oh, well, Caleb Williams did it. Well, Caleb Williams was an otherworldly talent. Jackson Arnold was a five-star, but there's a, I think there's a pretty big difference between what he is as a five-star versus what Caleb mm-hmm. Williams is as a five-star. And, and the, you look back at history, okay? Like, if you want to look back at history, well, let's look back at other five-stars. By and large, like, you know, go back to Josh Rosen, Christian Hackenberg, Matt Barkley, Braxton Miller. Like, these are all guys that didn't have the greatest touchdown-to-interception ratio in their, their true freshman season. Is that what we really want to throw out there when you've got a guy in Dylan Gabriel who, by all accounts – is top 25 in pretty much every category. Here, I'll, I'll read just a few of these for you that I did some research on earlier and take into account that, um, you know, he, he sat out for a game and a half with injury. So he probably would be a little bit higher on some of these rankings. But uh, number 23 in the country in pass efficiency, number 25 in total passing touchdowns despite missing a game and a half, number 26 in passing yards per game, number 14 in yards per completion, 25 in points, you know, responsible for per game, number 17 in yards per attempt. Like, this is a top 25 quarterback. And with a year in the system, with a, a year with his receivers, a year in Norman, like he's only going to get better from there. And I don't think that Levy is going to bench Dylan Gabriel because he overthrows a guy here or there. What's going to get Dylan Gabriel benched is if he starts turning over the ball a ton. Well, the guy had six interceptions last year. So he takes care of the football. He's going to keep the offense humming. He's not going to be Kyler Murray. He's not going to you know win every single game for you. But and we're about to talk about it in a second. The defense is what's going to win games for us this season. And we don't want it to be all on Dylan Gabriel's shoulders. So we got to relax. We got to let Jackson Arnold develop. And that's what's going to allow this team to be truly successful this year. Because if we throw Jackson Arnold in there from game one or, or game five, we have to remember that Caleb Williams was not good for several of his starts as a Sooner. And I, I just don't think that's the recipe for success unless we're saying, hey, we're cool with going seven wins next year mm-hmm. and still developing. I don't think OU fans want that. No, not at all. And let's kind of pump the brakes. Let's stop the comparisons talking about, well, Caleb Williams did it, so why can't Jackson Arnold? Let's not forget, too, Caleb Williams has played probably less than 20 football games his collegiate career. I know that he's still one year away from going to the NFL draft, but he's a generational talent. He would be the number one pick in the NFL draft in just a couple of days if he was eligible. Like, yeah. let's just let's, let's get that thrown out there right now. So I, I think one of the things, you know, regarding Jackson Arnold, when you look, when you compare him and Dylan Gabriel, obviously DG has got a huge leg up. You know, he's played five years of collegiate football. He's got a lot of experience in the Jeff Lubby system, but he's also got a lot of experience playing, you know, high level division one caliber football in Jackson Arnold, who, you know, basically should should be getting ready for the senior prom right now and here he was just completing his first you know live game action for an you know an Oklahoma spring game so again I think that when you look at these two guys Dylan Gabriel is by far and away he's QB1 that has got to for Oklahoma to get to where they want to Jackson Arnold should not have to touch the field this upcoming year in any type of meaningful reps whatsoever so but with that being the case I do kind of get the argument, though, that some people are making that if it's if it's that close. Now, obviously, you've got DG who's got the experience. He's you know he's been in the fire before, but you've also got a kid in Jackson Arnold who is let's no no doubt about it. We found that out on Saturday. He's got the stronger arm, the bigger, faster, stronger kid. He's got might have a much much higher ceiling than Dylan Gabriel does, and I think one of the things that 
you know, kind of drives Oklahoma fans crazy is when you start looking at a six and seven season a year ago where we did lose four to five games by less than one possession where it was maybe two to three plays, whether it's a couple of throws that Dylan misses or it's an opportunity where it's third down and seven and you need your quarterback to go make a play and Dylan just simply didn't get it done. Does Jackson Arnold, even though he is young, he's brand new, he's a newbie, does his elite level coming from the 6A high school football in the state of Texas, does it get any better across the country? The the talent and the competition, I think, has kind of prepared Jackson to where he's coming in. And yes, he's only 18 years old. He is a true freshman. I don't think that the lights would be too bright for him coming into that situation. So it really just kind of gets into a... Um, it gets into a scenario where you're going to trust Dylan Gabriel. He's been in the system. He's your guy. But you also have to realize, too, coming off of a six and seven year with the SEC move looming in, you know, just 18 months, Brent cannot afford to just simply lose two to three games before saying, okay, here you go, Jackson, it's your team. We're kind of out of it right now. We're, we're going to build for the future. We're looking ahead to 2024. Unfortunately, I think that's what it would take to bench Dylan Gabriel. And again, I'm not saying that's going to happen whatsoever, but for all these people that are clamoring that, you know, Jackson Arnold needs to start day one, enough of that. It's going to take some, it's going to take a couple of losses on the schedule. It's going to take some turnovers, you know, being forced uh, from Dylan Gabriel's arm. Well, tell me where those losses are going to come from because this is a Charmin soft schedule. I mean, half of the schedule is G5 programs. You've got the three non-conference games. You've got Cincinnati who's transitioning. I know they've recruited well, but that's not a, that's not a power five program. They're going to transition mm-hmm. over a couple of years to get to that point. Uh, you've got Iowa state, one of the worst teams in the big 12 last year. You know, they're going to be tough, but I don't think they have necessarily the playmakers to compete with OU in Norman. Texas is always going to be a dog. Like that. That's a, that's a dog fight. UCF, another team that's transitioning BYU, another team that's transitioning. You get West Virginia. That's one of the worst teams in the big 12 from last year. They're coming to Norman. OSU's got D two and D three guys that transferred in to, to help out there. So you don't have the best teams on the schedule in K-State, in Baylor, in Texas Tech. Um, so, like, I don't think Dylan Gabriel is going to relinquish control of this because I just don't see where the no, losses come from. I don't and think if, you – If you truly believe the defense has improved, which mm-hmm. we're about to talk about, but, like, if mm-hmm. you truly believe that, then, yeah, Jackson Arnold will probably never play a meaningful snap outside of injuries. Um, he'll play mm-hmm. situationally, I'm sure, but um, he won't be the guy because I just don't think Dylan Gabriel is losing to those teams. And as an OU fan, if you're being realistic, that's what you hope for for this upcoming year. Because look at the schedule right now. This is a nine-win season, bare minimum. You should probably win 10 just by going down here and looking at some of the competition, who you've got on the road, who you've got at home. But, I mean, Adam, I think DG has an opportunity to win 10 games, but I could also sit here looking at the softest of the schedule. I can make a case that I would feel comfortable saying Jackson Arnold would win at least seven of these as a true freshman without a single, you know, lick of experience. So again, I can't believe we're going down this rabbit hole. We talked about it beforehand. We weren't <laughs> going to touch on it, but again, it's so easy to kind of get sucked into it. But yeah, Dylan Gabriel's your starting quarterback. Um, far Let's away. talk defense uh, then. Let's talk defense. Adam defense. Who impressed you? The portal guys, man, coming in and making an impact day one, the three guys here, Desan McCullough, dude, Rondell Bothroyd, we don't have another defensive lineman on the roster right now that looks like and performs the way that Rondell Bothroyd does. Extremely excited about him. Hope he can continue to stay healthy. And Reggie Pearson, man, I know that there were a lot of people that thought, okay, he's from Texas Tech. If Obviously, if he's leaving there, if he's coming to Oklahoma, what really could this kid do? 
21 was making plays all over the field on Saturday. This kid moves extremely yeah. well. He's got good instincts. And the, my favorite part about him, he tackles. He knows how to do the proper run fits. He's not afraid to come up there and throw his shoulder into you. He kind of he put a few good licks on Tawi Walker, who is kind of a bowling ball that low to the ground. He he kind of made Tawi think think twice before uh, coming around the edge or you know going in between the tackles. So yeah, I'm extremely impressed with what I saw from those three. Um, again, take it with a grain of salt, but I I feel good about it. Yeah, Reggie Pearson was on my list. I, I should call him surprised or or just impressed with him. A kid from Detroit, but in run support, excellent. That dude was reading everything perfectly, coming downhill. He was the definition of heat-seeking missile. Now, TBD on what his pass coverage abilities really are. I don't think he was truly tested. But then again, we just talked about the schedule. I don't know exactly when he will get tested. You know, maybe, probably against Texas. I think that's probably the first big test, but... Uh, I don't see a, an elite passer on you know the schedule, at least for the first half of the season. There. I think SMU will be a decent test. True, but, but I mean, Preston Stone is a brand new starter there. So true. I, they'll, they'll, true. they'll have some guys. They'll have some talent. Desan McCullough is interesting. I mean, he stood out to me, but I think a lot of people also said Justin Harrington stood out to them. So I, I don't well know also. which direction OU is going to go. It might be situational there, but mm-hmm. I think you got to like – and. I don't know. I, I don't want to buy into the Justin Harrington hype just yet because I've been burned for what the last three years or so. It yeah. seems. But I guess it's nice it, to know that there's some serious competition there and some serious athletic ability there. And again, with the performance that we saw on Saturday from this entire team, take it with a grain of salt. We've talked about it for months now, Adam, we've been burned by it one too many times. I'm not going to put any, any stock in, in trying to evaluate and judge the, some of the guys on this football team until the bullets start flying, until we're actually into the meat potatoes of this schedule this upcoming fall. But I think that one of the big things, when you look at these three guys, and particularly Desan and Reggie, Oklahoma, with regards to Desan, Oklahoma hasn't had a guy that looks like that, that moves that way, that has the that has the instinctual uh, you know, football IQ. And that's probably my biggest thing that I've been impressed with about Reggie. Yes, he is a little bit undersized. You know, he's, you know, he's a sub six foot guy weighing around 190, 195 pounds. But he, even though he doesn't have the measurables like you would hope for, like a Peyton Bowen, the traditional five-star or a Key Lawrence that, you know, six one, six two, two hundred plus pounds, the instincts of this guy, he's a football player. He goes out there and he's able to make plays. He's able to scoop, scoop things out uh, and, you know, be in the right place at the right time. So yeah, these three guys, man, I we we knew coming into the offseason that with the roster turnover, with what Brent was trying to do, building this program back up, especially foundation-wise on the defensive side of the football, we knew that the guys that he brought in from the transfer portal had to nail them. They had to be good evaluations. They had to be guys that came in and were able to make a difference. And, you know, from just what we've heard and seen through spring practice, I think OU knocked it out of the park with these three guys. So job well done on Brent Brent Venables and this coaching staff. Another guy that's a foundation piece is Peyton Bowen. And really he had just the one play that was notable, but it was pretty huge was the interception. And you Mm -hmm. saw such a great technique there. It was one of the few times that we've seen that where at a certain point, it looked like Bowen was the intended receiver the way he pretty much ran the route at a certain point and and picked that off. So that was, that was really great to see. You know, I don't know how much playing time he'll get early on. I think he'll still be splitting a lot, but I think by the end of the year, he could be locking down one of those safety roles. How about another guy that's made a big jump in the offseason? Just you can see it physically. R. Mason Thomas. I don't know if this came through mm-hmm. on the uh, broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. 
he looks to me, he's starting to look a lot more just physicality wise, like an Obo Okoronkwo with maybe a little bit more twitch and speed to him. And I think that's something that this defense absolutely 100% needs. And now that he's got the bulk added to that, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago, and now he's starting to really look the part. It's hard to measure, like, what was he really doing against those offensive lines? Because it was really second team and third team. It wasn't first team and second team offensive line because there are so many different injuries across the board there. But I think physically he looks a lot the way you want him to. And kind of continuing along that theme, I think we talked about this, you know, way back in January or December, but there's not Barry Alexander is the rare exception where rare exception of a elite interior defensive lineman that's in the portal. And we kind of know why he was actually in the portal. Look at where he ended up, but the, the way this defense gets better speed D dude. (laughs) <laughs> speed D the way this defense gets better is interior develop or uh, internal development uh, on the interior specifically our Mason Thomas is a good piece of that on the outside but for me Grayson Holton I think he's a guy that you look at and you go mm-hmm. he needs to be able to take a big jump Isaiah Cohen needs to be able to take a big jump um, I don't know what to think about Devon Sears um, Jordan Kelly's kind I of, like it uh, yeah he had, he flashed at moments um, Jordan Kelly, he's a guy that really started trending highly, you know, at the end of the season last year. And he looks like he's kind of poised to continue that. I don't know if, you know, mm-hmm. how maxed out he is. Cause he's an older guy, but a Grayson Holton type is a guy that's young. He's, I think still adjusting to that interior role, but I think that's where this team makes the biggest leap is just internal development in the off season. And so I saw steps forward in that direction there. Um, I'll pass it over to you. If you have any more that impressed you, or if you want to comment on that, or if you want to take us over to disappointments. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to say disappointments. I think that one of the things that, and again, this could factor into the impressed or maybe something that surprised me. I I knew that coming into the off season with some of the things that we've been hearing, you know, from some from some sources coming out of spring practice, it was talking about just the increase in depth in the secondary. But Adam, coming out of this game. And again, it's a glorified scrimmage, but you're able to watch how these guys move. You're able to, you know, see how they flow to the football, how these guys are more in sync with the scheme that Brent Venables is running because they're, you know, they're one more year comfortable in the system. It's just quality depth in the secondary across the board. Corner, you've got, we all knew that Woody Washington was going to be one of those guys, but I mean, you start going down the list, man. Gentry Williams, Josiah Wagner, Kendall Dolby, uh, Macari Vickers. When's the last time coming into a, a season where we felt pretty good about four to five guys in the rotation for the cornerback position for those two spots? And then you go to the back end of this defense, man, talking about safety. Billy Bowman, Reggie Pearson kind of feels like that's going to be 1A, 1B. Those are going to be your two starters at safety at this point right now if we had to project it. But then right behind it, man, Peyton Bowen, who I think by halfway through the you know midway point of the season – it's going to be hard to keep this guy off the field for, you know, a huge portion of the reps. Robert Spears Jennings, obviously nursing the shoulder injury, but we've heard a lot of really good things about him. He's continuing to come on strong. And then Key Lawrence, who I hate to say it, Adam, might be the guy that kind of gets forgotten and left behind. Um, it just, I'm not sure how well Key Lawrence, you know, at one of those safety positions with some of the, because of how demanding that safety position is with some of the expectations that Brent Venables wants you to be able to do and how he wants you to play that position. I'm not sure if key Lawrence matches up as well as the other four uh, in terms of how he's able to play that position. But yeah, man, the depth across the board in the secondary, it's not, I can't remember the last time that I was, you know, coming out of spring practice going into the, you know, summer camp where I felt this good about an Oklahoma secondary. 
Yeah. Q Lawrence was the one I had under my, my disappointments. He seemed to continue to not fill the running lanes correctly and, and missing that and the run support there. Uh, and he does feel like the odd man out. I just checked. He's um, three and a half years into uh, you know his college. So I don't know if he's graduated yet or plans to potentially graduate this spring. That could be a guy that maybe is on transfer watch, depending on what his academics are, um, because he could transfer as a grad. Uh, if mm-hmm. not, then I, he probably is a great quality depth piece uh, this fall, and maybe he is able to work his way and make some impact and um, you know find a, a better fit after that if needed. But, yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit disappointing there. Connie Walker, that name didn't come up. I, was he injured this spring? Uh, a little bit. He was battling an injury. I okay. know for a couple of weeks he was kind of yeah. in and out of practice right now. Um, Adam, I'm yeah. going to throw five names. Or Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I, I didn't notice him on the field. I didn't know if he was injured or not. But, yeah, he his name has kind of fallen to the back after, you know, some general excitement when he transferred to OU. So um, I also had him on my disappointed list. Yeah. Well, one thing that I was going to say, I'm going to throw five names at you, and there's kind of a common a commonality, a common theme with this. You know, Jane Davis, Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes, Key Lawrence, and Shane Witter. Five guys that have played a pretty decent amount of football at the University of Oklahoma. One's already in the transfer portal, but these are five guys at key positions on defense where it's not that they're not good players, but with what Brent Venables and this staff has done in 18 months, those are five guys that have been recruited over at their position right now. You've got you've got young bucks. You've got, you know, sophomores or true freshmen or, you know, some portal guys that have been able to come in or, or it kind of feels like they're already one step above where these yeah. guys are currently sitting as experienced college football players. But again, I think that this is going to be a situation, you know, focusing here on Key Lawrence where really good depth piece, if it comes down to it, if you need him to play some some snaps, you know, sporadically. But if it comes down, Adam, to where you've got, you know, a, a senior in Key Lawrence who's played a little bit more football, but then you've also got Peyton Bowen, who who is a true freshman. He's a little bit more raw, but the 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 freakish athleticism and the talent that this kid has – Give me the young buck. Let him play. Let him grow. Let him develop in the system. Yes, he's going to make mistakes, but let him let him make those mistakes going full speed, and that's how you can learn uh, and you know continue to be developed and make plays. So again, I hate to say it, but I think Key Lawrence is kind of the odd man out in this group. Yeah, I had two other names on my disappointed list, and one of them I think will really surprise you. Tell me if I'm I'm wrong on this. Trace Ford. I know he's battled injuries and I think my expectations on him are a little bit lower than others just because I, I don't know if he's going to be healthy this year. I didn't really notice him too much on the field on, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then this one that I think will really surprise probably everybody. How about PJ Adabare? He's a guy that I wasn't looking for at first. And then about at halftime, I was like, Oh, I should start looking for him and see if I can, you know, watch him. And yes, he looks great in the uniform. He looks good out there. He had the one play where he, he ran down the running back and I'm not, I'm not down on him. Um, I'm not thinking, okay, he's not going to contribute at all this year. I'm just thinking he, I think he still needs to put on a little bit more weight. I think he's maybe going to be a little bit slower to contributing, but I still think he's going to have an impact this season. Um, I just wasn't, I just wasn't wowed yet. Um, and I, I feel like that's going to be misconstrued maybe, but uh, I'm still very excited about him. I just think it might be a little bit slower than maybe like Peyton Bowen, for example. So I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't get there with you on, on PJ. I mean, right, right now he's listed six foot four, 240 pounds. I think in the next five months, once fall camp rolls around, once, you know, Arkansas state gets here on September 2nd, he's probably going to be pushing 250, maybe 255. This kid keeps eating and growing. 
Um, yeah, I, I'm not quite there with you. Again, I I, I, I got to give George Stoya a little bit of a uh, shout out on here, friend of the podcast. He put something up on Twitter the other day. And, you know, just kind of thinking about some of the, the different lineups and, and different, you know, groupings uh, that Brent Venables is going to be able to utilize these guys in, you know, certain situations and, you, you start going down the list, man. You, you're talking about, you know, on second and, second and long, third down situations where you can throw Rondell Bothroyd and Isaiah Coe out there on the interior. Okay, and then we're also going to uh, put people out wide. We're going to put R. Mason Thomas and P.J. out there on the defensive ends and get after the quarterback. I mean, you've – oh, and by the way, you got Desan McCullough out there as well. So there's <laughs> – I'm, qu- I'm not quite there with you on P.J. Um, obviously, you want to see a little bit more, but again – it's one practice. It's a spring game. This kid's gotten, you know, uh, a lot better uh, as as the spring has gone on. He's only going to continue to get better as he gets more coaching and he gets more comfortable in this uh, in this scheme. So no, uh, I'm I'm not I'm not throwing PJ into that category whatsoever. You're you've lost me on that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, I I still think he's going to make another five star bust. Gonna... You heard it here from Adam. <laughs> I still think he's going to grow a lot. I mean, every practice, I'm sure he's continuing to get better. Um, it just wasn't like, oh man, it just popped out to me. Other than like looking at him in, in, in the uniform, he looks great. Like he looks like a dude and I think he'll get there at some point. Uh, I'm just wondering like, am I going to see it in game one, in game two? Obviously those teams aren't as good. So maybe he will get m- more playing time. Um, I'm just kind of wondering like, you know, and, and I, I'm okay with having a little patience there on him. But I, I, I still I think do, he'll be a, a great piece for OU. I do think that it speaks volumes, Adam, that R. Mason Thomas and P.J. Adebaware flashed more on Saturday than the Reggie Grimes and the Ethan Downs and the Marcus Striplings of the world. So, again, give them a little yeah. bit of time. Let them keep getting coached up and developed. And, again, I think that, uh, again, it's a spring game. Take it with a grain of salt, but just watching this defense and the way that these guys fly around making plays, reading, you know, the the coverages and, you know, coming up and making tackles, you can definitely tell. I'll say this. You can definitely tell that this defense, these guys look more comfortable and they look more in sync uh, in, in this defensive scheme that Brent Venables is leading the charge on right now. So anything else, Adam? That's it for me. If you want to move on to softball, we can talk about a team that uh, is, is really cruising right now. Uh, Sweat Baylor shut them out. Uh, you know, it was the it was the series that the rematch of the one game that OU lost all year. We got some of those comments from one of those Baylor players saying, OU is the team that's intimidated coming into <laughs> our house in Waco. Yeah, you can't even say it with a straight face. It's kind of a laughable comment. Like, why would you even say that? Uh, this is OU you're talking about, but I don't, some players just live in their yeah. own worlds. But OU made quick work of them. It was unfortunate that, you know, it, it all happened pretty much this and baseball all happening at the same time as the spring game. So didn't get nearly as much attention from from me, at least, and probably from most OU fans. But OU mm-hmm. taking care of business there. I think in yeah. the last nine games or so, OU's only given up 0.2 runs per game. So this pitching staff and defense is is really backing up the trend right now. Adam, it'd be fun to go back and do a little bit of research on this, but it, you probably would have to go pretty far back in the record books to find out the last time that on the same weekend, both Diamond Sports swept a top 25 team on the road. Mm-hmm. So fantastic performance by both of these uh, ball clubs. But yeah, I mean, sticking with softball, man. I mean, it, no pun intended, but you poke the bear, you're going to you're gonna find out that you're not, you're not quite as high and mighty as you once thought that you were. So 
again, fantastic job for Patty Patty Gasler's bunch. 42 and one on the season, riding high on a 34 game winning streak right now. Perfect 12 and 0 in Big 12 conference play. And you alluded to it, Adam. Oklahoma's pitching staff, man. In the three games down in Waco this weekend, 21 innings of work, they gave up eight hits to zero runs. And collectively, this pitching staff has a nation's best. I, they drive it even further down uh, from when we started last Friday, the first game against Baylor. The, this Collectively, this pitching staff has a nation's best 0.83 ERA. That wow. is just stupid <laughs> good on how good that is. And that's, what, again, who's going to beat this team? Jordy's, Jordy's peaking at the right time. Starocco's balling. Nicole May, she's big time. I just simply don't see who's going to do it. And don't look now, Adam, but whose level of play is starting to peak at just the right time in the season? Sydney Sanders, man, the transfer from Arizona State, kind of got off to a little bit of a rocky slow start so far this season, kind of finding your bearings, getting a little bit more comfortable, getting used to you know playing softball here in Norman. In Waco, do coming off of a fantastic series, you know, up at the Miami of Ohio tournament, she went four for six with two home runs, a double, three walks, three runs scored, and five RBIs. Not too shabby for a girl hitting in the six hole right now. We'll we'll continue to watch Sydney uh, get better and better. But yeah, you you just we're running out of the good things to say about him. We're running out of superlatives. Get us to get us to or not not Omaha. We'll touch on that here in a little bit. <laughs> get us to Oklahoma City. Let's get into postseason play because right now it just seems like we're biding our time. We're waiting to get in the Big 12 tournament. Let's get this postseason run going and see if we can't win a third straight national championship. Every game between now, April 25th, and then early June for this team is going to be played in the state of Oklahoma. So it's that great time of year. And, you know, we thought, you know, maybe OSU was going to be a team that could challenge OU. OU can actually lock up their what 11th big 12 regular season title this weekend by sweeping Kansas at home. Kansas was not very good. So I would expect that to happen, but then you look at OSU and you thought, okay, that was going to be a massive series potentially for the big 12 and still water to round out the year. They go out and get swept by Texas. Uh, they've actually got five losses now, two to Wichita state this month, three to Texas. Yep. And that team not really looking like what they were, you know, at, well, I guess they lost to Florida state as well. So they have a couple losses, but uh, yeah, but yeah, man, I, that, they took the air out of the sales a little bit. I'm sure we'll still get their best shot in Stillwater. Maybe they steal one from OU, but well, um, typical poke yeah, fashion is not looking as juicy as it was. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Yeah, I mean, true. I mean, you said it lost five in a row coming off of a weekend uh, in Austin where they got swept by the Longhorns. All three of those games were competitive. The first one, uh, went into extra innings, and then the other one, I think they lost three to two, and then five to two in the finale on uh, on Saturday. But again, you're coming off five straight losses. You're sitting in third right now in the Big Twelve Conference standings. They have no chance to win. Well, I guess they do have a chance. Oklahoma would have to fall flat on their face and do something that they haven't done in twenty years. But uh, OSU, they are headed to Lubbock this weekend to try to right the ship against the scrappy Red Raider bunch before the Bedlam matchup here in a couple of weeks. So, again, what we once thought was going to be a one-versus-two matchup with the Big 12 title game on the line, it simply just looks like that's not going to be the case if Oklahoma takes care of business this weekend uh, against the Kansas Jayhawks. But, yeah, um, Patty Gasso, man, they just they just keep on going. Train just keeps going down the tracks, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. Last Thursday night, if you asked me what we were going to talk about for baseball this week – I was going to say, hey, it's probably going to be my eulogy on the season. It might be the last time we ever talk Ooh. about baseball. 
Instead, they prove me dead wrong. I look like a total idiot. They go down, they sweep Texas, a top 25 Texas team in Austin, the first ever sweep for OU in baseball over Texas in Austin. And it was almost it was almost kind of like not too stressful in most of those games. Um, I know that third game, it got a little tight there at the end, but for the most part, OU jumped up early and often on the Longhorns. And unfortunately, this series was on the Longhorn Network, which is the demise of the Big 12 Conference, but also probably just as bad as Bally Sports because you're not able to watch it pretty much anywhere. Um, and then you had the spring game on top of that. So not a whole lot of people able to watch what was going on, but you finally saw the bullpen you know, come into play and really do a great job. Um, Carter Campbell, Big 12 Pitcher of the Week. Will Carson, yep. I think, had seven-plus strikeouts on Sun- on Saturday. Um, there was not a game on Sunday. They played a doubleheader on Saturday. So you finally had the bullpen come into play. You, you know you have some solid starters going on right now between Jamie Hitt and Braxton Douthit. And then, you know, Braden Carmichael thrown into that weekend rotation as well. He's having a great resurgence as a senior, finally finding yep. his groove, finding his role. Um, on the Sooner team, and he's he's had some struggles in the past, but now he's having his moment uh, for this team, and you're starting to feel like, okay, we can start to get healthy here. Easton Carmichael should be coming back within a couple weeks or so. You've got Kansas at home uh, this weekend for baseball. I think you really need a sweep of that, but there's a possibility that we could be talking postseason again. And I kind of <laughs> oh, hate God. to say it because I, I get reeled back in, and I feel oh. like there's there's a lot of work to do, but – Man, he sweep Texas in Austin. That's a huge boost to your RPI. Yeah. Where, where we're up to forty nine now. Yeah, what a difference a weekend makes. We kind of felt like Texas was going to be the one that put the final nail in Oklahoma's coffin for the twenty twenty three season. And again, forty eight hours later, you sweep a uh, top twenty five Texas team who was ranked number one in the Big Twelve standings. Uh, and all of a sudden, Adam, three games later, you go from sitting in dead last at number ten in the Big Twelve to where you're climbing up now, and you're in a tie for sixth. Uh, in the Big 12 standings with Kansas coming to town this upcoming weekend. So, again, Kansas sitting right now at 5-10 and 10 in the Big 12. You want to take at least two out of three. Ideally, with the way that this team is swinging the bat and pitching, you you got to go out there and sweep them. Again, I, I don't want to – I'm – I know the postseason play is back on the table right now, but again, let's see this team do it two weeks in a row. You just went on the road. You knocked off your arch rival, a top 15 team in Texas. Come back home, take care of a you know a less inferior talented team in Kansas. Go out there, sweep them, and set up. Give yourself some more momentum. You know, going into next week's midweek matchup against Dallas Baptist. That seems like that's. It seems like we've always been able to chalk that up to as a loss. Uh, for you know each of the last three to four seasons I don't know why it's hard to play a DBU but again figure out a way to sweep Kansas this weekend at least take two out of three and then you put yourself in a situation Adam where you know maybe you're you're two two games above 500 in Big 12 conference play and you get on the plane to go up to Morgantown to take on the first place Mountaineers uh, in what could be a pretty big series for Skip Johnson's bunch but yeah you did what you were supposed to do you took care of business on the road you kind of exceeded expectations by everybody else's standards. Anthony McKenzie, Bryce Madron, <clears throat> Dakota Harris swinging the bat extremely well. This team is starting to find their way, uh, and they're getting hot at the right time and you know playing their best ball, best baseball of the season uh, in each of the last three games. So I'm talking myself into a run to Omaha, Adam. <laughs> they they got to find some consistency because we've been in this position before. You know, after taking two from Stanford, after taking the series from TCU. And then they yeah. followed up with some not great performances. So hopefully Kansas is the type of team, the right type of team that we need right now. It's at home, like all the factors, the wind is behind your back. And then yes, get on the road, 
go steal some games from a really good West Virginia team. That's going to be an RPI booster. Follow that up. You're going to go out to Spokane and play Gonzaga. They're not necessarily a great team, but on the road, get some RPI wins and then finish out that season at home against OSU RPI wins home crowd behind you. Like the opportunities are there before you. Um, but I think probably the biggest thing is that, you know, we've seen this team within a weekend, they can be very good within a certain amount of time. And they got out of that, that seller dweller spot in the big 12 standings. That's really important because now you're in play for the big 12 tournament in Arlington. And mm-hmm. maybe that's the weekend that OU gets hot. They win it. They take all the doubt away by, by winning the conference and making the postseason that way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, follow us up, have a consistent, you know, string two weekends together of great baseball um, and you're going to create a lot of momentum there for for this team and hopefully push for the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. Oklahoma's put themselves uh, kind of back in the, uh, you know, kind of back in, you know, a good position right now uh, going into the back half of the Big 12 Conference play. You've, uh, you've got a good big chance this upcoming weekend. Keep the momentum uh, going. Keep your foot on the gas. Figure out a way to take care of the Jayhawks this weekend. Uh, and we'll see where this team goes from there. But, yeah, just I think all around, Adam, you, you, you know, Baseball and softball, you know, big time on the road, top 15 sweeps uh, of their opponents. Spring football uh, is we put that uh, put that to bed, you know, ultimately with the spring game performance. And then, I, I mean, women's gymnastics just won a national championship. Uh, men's golf uh, is uh, about to win a Big 12 championship, setting themselves up for another postseason run where Ryan Hibble hopes to, you know, hoist another national title trophy. And then, you know, I – don't want to, we can talk about it, you know, maybe a little bit more next week, but Porter Mosier, you know, we kind of challenged him, said, hey, let's put up or shut up time, get involved in the portal, figure out a way to bring some guys in. Uh, and he's got three that he's already signed, committed, and one of them's a big guy. We can, we can, we've got a big guy, Adam. So we'll see, uh, we'll see where this leads. But yeah, a lot of good momentum going on right now uh, at the corner of Aspen Jenkins with the, the OU athletic uh, department. And uh, I guess last thing for me, Adam, what'd you think of Kyler's statue? I thought it was, I thought it was incredible. Looks so good. Yeah. I, I think it's pretty good. I think it's probably the best one that we've seen so far. Hands hands down. I don't have anything else, Adam. Get us out of here. Yeah. Uh, appreciate everyone listening. We'll try to put consistent weeks together here. We had our, our record-breaking episode last week, so I appreciate it. All the new listeners that are tuning in. Uh, it means a lot to us. We do it for free. So uh, we enjoy hanging out and, and having this time with you guys every week. Uh, and until next week, we'll see everyone then for another episode.